So today's lesson text comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 21 through 34. Jesus said to them, As a lamp box brought into be put under the bushel basket, or under the bed, but it is not brought in to be put upon the lampstand. For there is nothing hidden except to be disclosed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you give, and still more will be given you. For to those who have, more will be given. And from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. He also said, The kingdom of God is if someone would scatter seed on the ground, and would sleep and rise at night and, and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. And how that happens, he does not know. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, and then the full grain of the head. But when the grain is ripe at once, the man goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. Jesus also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It's like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. If when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs, and puts forth large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. Now, he did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in secret to his disciples. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray through the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts. May we bring honor and glory to you. Amen. So today we continue with Mark's chunk of parables. Last week we looked at the parable of the sower, where the seed falls on different soil, and different results happen. And our key in looking at that text was Mark's specific take on it. We have four different Gospels, and it's like having four different witnesses. They all see Jesus from their own personal angle, and today we're going to try to keep with that angle that Mark takes regarding the parables of Jesus, and that is that Mark sees the parables of Jesus just as much about the crowd and just about just as much about the disciples as he sees it about the person of Jesus. Because in the Gospel of Mark, back in chapter 1, verse 14, Jesus comes and he proclaims the kingdom isn't coming, isn't set off in the future, but it's near and it's here, and the kingdom rests in his person. So when Jesus is preaching, what is the kingdom of heaven like? It's what is the relationship of the disciple and his Lord, what is the reality of Jesus standing in front of this crowd, which means the kingdom has come, what does that really describe? So just going through this one verse by verse, verse 21, we have a familiar one, is the lamp brought in to be put under a bushel basket or under the bed, don't you bring a lamp in to put it on the lampstand? So all of us who grew up in Sunday school, you know this one. This little light of mine, 
I'm gonna let it shine. I can really make a guy see <laughs> Well, are we gonna hide it under your basket? No, I'm gonna let it shine. And this is for the how this one is used in the other gospels, and and it's not quite gonna be used the same here. And the other gospels to use the to risk the youth phrase, the parable of the the light tower and being salt of the earth. Is Jesus saying, look, discipleship is not about acceptance. Because Jesus was Jesus, and haters were going to hate, and he's telling his disciples it's going to be the same way. You see, when you put a, a city up on a hill, that means everyone that's traveling can find it. But it also means, and it reminds me of a saint that has departed, the same thing as in World War II, when people in Florida were paying the top tax of their headlamps on their cars. The city on the hill is just as easy to bomb as it is to find when you are lost. So normally when Jesus talks about the light and shining, he has that angle. But here with this little light of mine, Jesus in Mark, it gets used slightly differently as we see in verse 22. For there is nothing hidden except to be disclosed. Nor is anything secret except to come to light. Jesus is saying, well, things are secret so you can find them out. <laughs> and that's exactly what the light does. So Mark has, has used this parable to point out that Jesus is going to be a lamp. And he's not going to be put under a bushel. He's not going to be hidden under a basket. And he's going to shine. And that kingdom when it comes and when it brings the light in, it's going to scurry the cockroaches, just like in a gross apartment. There is, in the kingdom, the fact that falsehood will not stand. So that gets us to the next bit. In Mark, it is using this explanation. Pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get, and still more will be given to you. So it seems in this light of disclosing of the fact that truth is coming, Jesus is here adding the angle. When you come to the truth and you ask whether you should have truth or falsehood, be very careful because the measure you use will the measure that's the measure you're going to get. If you are someone who tolerates a little bit of truth and a little bit of falsehood, well, kind of like hiding the light you're only going to see a little bit of reality. And so this teaching is building together until we get to where Mark ties it up in 25. For to those who have, more will be given, and from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. So throwing this all into a single section, to sum it up quickly, Jesus is saying that he is the lamp that has been brought in. And God did not introduce Jesus to hide him. He did not send the truth and his word to not be spoken. And now that the kingdom has come, there's no room for bending the truth. There's no room for not seeing it when it's right in front of your eyes. And as far as it is concerned, the people have to make a decision about Jesus. Remember, this is Mark and Jesus constantly on the decision. We talked about how he wanted to preach the word or repent. And he 
That's what he wanted to bring about was repentance, but people kept coming in for miracles, and he's like, look, there's bigger things going on. Well, that's where this measure you give is the measure you get. If you come to Jesus only for the physical, if you come to him only because he can serve you, well, then that's what you get. Jesus will heal. Jesus will serve. It's his nature to do so. But if you don't come to him for the spiritual realities, to see where the light actually shines, well, then you won't get it. In the same way with his opponents, we have seen in this Gospel of Mark that Jesus has already gotten the Pharisees by chapter 3 willing to kill him, and in chapter 4, they were willing to say he was casting out demons with demons. So if they're giving Jesus that fair of a hearing, that is exactly the hearing that Jesus is promising the Father will give love. Then he comes to a bold warning in verse 25. For those who have, more will be given. And from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. We get into the introduction of where Mark is going to go, where Jesus gets very confrontational. Kind of going back to the lamp post, the, the, the lighthouse, the city on the hill. When Jesus shines forth his truth, he is not particularly concerned whether we like it, this is when it gets cutting. Jesus is here saying, for those who have meaning faith, who have accepted Jesus, who have heard the word, then through his preaching, through his presence, and when we get to the other side of Easter and the rest of the Gospels, through the Holy Spirit, they will be developed. But he is saying at the same time, for those who have nothing, so for those who measure Jesus halfway, for those who measure him unfairly, for those who run from the light, whatever good words that they get from Jesus, whatever limbs have been healed, eventually old age will come. Whatever moments of temporary spiritual elation or just the fact that, hey, I gotta see Jesus, that will be fleeting and temporary. And to the point where Jesus says, even what they have, this is where Christ is hitting the idolatry in people's hearts. It's, it's just a truth that's been known for a long time from our, our forebears that one of the things that separates the human soul from God is the love of this world. And Jesus is saying here, even that, those things that block you coming to me, those things that make it so, well, I'll be a good Christian tomorrow. Whatever you're holding on to, be it sin, whether people care about you, you, you can't see Jesus as he really is. Whatever is holding on to, in the end, by rejection of Jesus, that will be taken away. Continuing on to the next parable, Jesus then says, The kingdom of God is if someone would scatter seed on the ground, and would sleep and rise at night, and the, and the seed grows, and people don't know how it happens. Mark seems to almost here be conscious of how the other Gospels use the parables of, of the light and the, the city on the hill and the salt of the earth, which kind of have the boisterous, loud proclamation. Here, Mark is talking about how the fact that the kingdom of earth, the kingdom of God, seems to grow in secret. It is here that Mark is saying, and using the example of nature and creation, 
that God is the main agent in the establishment of the kingdom. We don't, no human has ever gone out there and actually created corn and maize and all the cereal grains. We just expect them to work. None of us have gone out and, and dug up and created forests and hills and rivers and valleys and all the things we'll sing about in America the beautiful. It was just there when we got off the boat and there were already people there anyways. <laughs> there is in the secret operations of this world God's provision. And Jesus is saying in the same way in the new kingdom that secret provision will also grow. So the church will have its outward activity. It will be a sower, it will be a flower, but the actual growth, the actual work, is inward work of the heart. And thus Jesus asked his listeners to decode this parable with the question, has that inward work been done in your heart? And we come finally to the mustard seed. This one's so this one's so familiar, I almost feel like it's redundant to go over the traditional reading. But normally we read this as it's, it's to motivate us to faith. We, we talk about the faith that can move mountains, the, the, the faith that, that God responds to and answers in prayer. In many of the Gospels, there's stories of, as your faith, so it be given unto you. But Mark is putting a specific spin on this one. Because notice he never actually says the word faith and how he says it in verse 31. It is like a mustard seed, the kingdom of God, in verse 30, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. There's no mention of faith in there in the Gospel of Mark. But instead, he's talking about the kingdom of God. And where I said last week, it's the kingdom of God and Jesus are tied very close together. As he ends the parables, Mark pretty much wraps them both together completely. For who is like a mustard seed in the Gospels? Jesus Christ. He is the man that the Romans took into no account. He is the religious teacher that the Pharisees got trumped up on blasphemy charges, hung out on a cross like a criminal, and died. And the very same people that cheered him when he came into the city of Jerusalem were the ones who rejected him when they sent him out. Of the lives in the world that should mean nothing, Jesus's would have fit the bill had it not been for Easter. He is one tiny little peasant in Galilee preaching to the people about the kingdom of God. And he's already getting resistance, and people are already turning away from his message. If you are going to pick a winner in Mark chapter 4, you are a man of faith if you are at this point in the gospel picking Jesus as the winner and as being totally, obviously the winner. Remember, we started this series on Mark challenging the idea of what the Son of God means, what being Christ means, and, and here, to get into this parable as Mark is using it, we have to get a little bit in our head to hear what Jesus is saying, to think of a world which didn't have Christendom, which didn't have Constantine and emperors, and to get back more in that early world, that early church kind of thinking, where we're going to get tossed to lions. 
Because not only is Jesus this small little mustard seed, every single one of his believers, the kingdom which will be composed of the believers, will be little tiny mustard seeds. Christians will be who Nero uses to burn his torches, to light his party, and no one cares. That's the kingdom of God, is a bunch of anonymous deaths of names. Don't remember it. But it is sowing and it is moving. Because as Jesus promises in 32, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs, and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. The allusion to the tree of the cross here is very blatant. But I think also this teaching is so prototypical in Christian thought that it relates to Paul's message, I believe in Thessalonians, I might have the book wrong, but the verses are right, that unless that which is sown dies, it cannot grow. So there is death, there is cross in the, in the kingdom. But through that, that death of that seed, a new life grows, and Jesus here promises that it will be exponential, it will be great. So the little tiny seed that you can't see going into the ground comes out as the big giant shrub that everyone knows is there, and the birdies even used to make their little home. So such is the kingdom of God. But we see in verse 33 that this speaking in parables, this total understanding of it, and one of the reasons why, Mark, we have to not rush to the end, is with many parables he spoke the word to them and they were able, as they were able to hear it. Mark, the disciple, at this point, is trying to keep us in mind. These disciples don't know how it ends. We tend to read the New Testament as if uh, Peter is denying Jesus after Jesus is resurrected. <laughs> Peter is denying Jesus in the heat of a moment. We, we, as believers, hear these calls to repentance, to come to faith, as someone who's already on that side of it. But as Jesus is here preaching it the first time, it is fresh, it is new, and people don't understand it. That's why 34. Because he didn't speak to anyone except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. Because ultimately, Jesus himself is in Mark the parable. He's fully human, but he's also fully God. He's a peasant in Galilee, but he's the king of all creation. And the struggle between him and the Pharisees, he's casting out demons, but in whose name is he casting out demons? He's healing people, but how is he healing people? He's healing people on the Sabbath. He's not obeying the Sabbath, but he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Where are all these things going? That is the paradox of Jesus and why in Mark we must always keep the question that this is the gospel of Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ. As those terms get defined, false understandings and the struggle of everything that entails falls away. For as the kingdom of heaven comes, the light shines. Cockroaches of our minds and our hearts and our sins, they go scattering, but also those things that we stumble around in the room darkly, they become light. So let us pray.